Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Will you say that part with me together? The Lord is my shepherd. Now put the emphasis on the word Lord. Ready? The Lord is my shepherd. Now put the emphasis on my. The Lord is my shepherd. Psalm 23 is a lot like, I mean, it's, it's famous. Um, it's a, it's a well-known passage. It's a lot like the Lord's Prayer, okay? The Lord's Prayer that we studied before, just before COVID hit, it begins with our Father. No, I was waiting to see if you knew. I knew. <laughs> I was waiting for an uptake. On, yeah, 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 yeah. Not that I don't have blanks, but... The, 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 the beautiful passages of Scripture that are so familiar, Psalm 23 in the Lord's Prayer begins first with the Lord, with our Father, because he establishes his rightful place in our thinking at the beginning. Psalm 23 starts out with the Lord. And then it says, the Lord is my shepherd. Well, if the Lord is my shepherd, do you know what that makes you and me? A sheep. Tell the lady next to you, you're a sheep. Tell her. Mm -hmm. in, in Keller's book, uh, Shepherd looks at the 23rd Psalm. He says, of all the domesticated animals, a sheep is the most needy. So now tell the lady next to you you're needy. <laughs> but but that's, that's just the beginning. The sheep require more attention, more meticulous care than any other breed of livestock. So not only am I a sheep, I'm a needy sheep, but I'm high maintenance, okay? <laughs> some of you have been around people, maybe some of them live in your home, that are really high maintenance. It's exhausting. Why would the Lord so patiently deal with me, his sheep? Well, we are going to just revel in this beautiful acknowledgement of who the Lord is and who I am as his sheep. So I'm going to quote Keller when he talks about the sheep. He was a shepherd, by the way, in Africa. And then he was a missionary. And um, he just, if, if you want to get a really good book on sheep and shepherding, it's Philip Keller's book on A Shepherd Takes a Look at Psalm 23. So this is what he says. I'm quoting The behavior of sheep and human beings are almost identical. From our mob instincts to our fears, our timidity, our stubbornness, and, I'm quoting, stupidity, and our self-destructive habits, end of quote. We parallel. That's why, that's why it is such an appropriate picture of who we are. Here's another interesting fact. If a sheep gets scared enough, they can kill themselves due to an overdose of copper they produce in their brain. Is that unbelievable? Maybe that's where the phrase came, scared to death. But isn't that amazing? Now, obviously, our greatest need as a sheep is what? To have a shepherd. Say with me again, the Lord is my shepherd. 
The Lord who is my shepherd begins right where I need to begin. It's all about the Lord. Just like our study on uh, the Lord's Prayer, our Father. Girls, without that acknowledgement and recognition every day and throughout the day that it is all about the Lord and that it is about God, if I am not acknowledging that and coming back to that reference and that truth, I have no undergirding in my day. I have no security. Here's another word picture. I am like a kite whose string has been cut. Now, I'm still his kite, but you know what happens? I'm tossed to and fro with the winds of adversity, with the winds of frustration, with the winds of burdens. I'm just flying all over the place because I'm not referencing, I'm not remembering that the Lord is my shepherd. Not only that, with whatever the windy day brings, if there is no wind, you know what happens to me? I go into a, I go into a nosedive. I'm going to crash and burn because I'm not acknowledging the Lord. No direction. Paul writes in Ephesians 4, and I give you a piece of paper every week because it's just a really good thing to, to jot down notations and scripture references as you peruse and remember what we study. That's why I give you a cookie that has to do with what we're studying so that you will go home and taste and see and remember. In this case, the Lord is my shepherd. Well, in Ephesians chapter 4, if I am not grounded in the fact that the Lord is my shepherd, if I'm not calling that back into remembrance over and over throughout my day, what God's word says is that I am tossed to and fro. And, and Paul writes that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine. Now, doctrine simply means beliefs. Opinions. And there are so many opinions and beliefs. There are so many, in other words, windbags in our life. And most often, I'm the biggest windbag. I have so many opinions and so many, and so many thoughts and so many, well, well, I don't think that I, or they say, th these, these are doctrines of people, doctrines that are coming from my heart. Well, I don't think... I think, and right there reveals our natural propensity to wander as a sheep. I'm not, well, what does the Lord think? What does the Lord say, Leslie? What does the Lord teach? What does the Lord encourage? That's where I need to continually go with my referencing so that I'm not tossed to and fro with every opinion that comes into my day. Henceforth, don't be like a child tossed to and fro. Isaiah 53, 6. We have turned every one, how many? Every one of us to his own way. My own opinion, my own thinking. And I have forgotten the Lord is my shepherd. Friday, last Friday, I went to Aldi's. Mistake number one. <laughs> Not Aldi's, but Friday. You should never go to a grocery store on Friday. And uh, so I'm there, and I couldn't find a quarter for my grocery cart. 
I'm spilling dimes and nickels and pennies out of the little console uh, hole that I have, you know, not a quarter in there. So I have to get into my purse, which meant I had to take off my gloves. Do you remember how freezing cold it was on Friday? Do you remember that wicked wind that just slapped your face off? That's what I was in. My hands were still stiff. They hadn't warmed up from the house to Aldi's. So I'm taking off my gloves to get into my purse to find a quarter. Um, now, for some reason, when I put on my mask, I become blind, deaf, and dumb. I don't know why, but it happens to me all the time. I finally found my quarter. Replacing my mask, I clip my earring, and the backing comes off and falls down between the crack of the seats. So I take my other earring off so I don't look like a pirate when I go into Aldi's. <laughs> I get out of the car. I am fighting the wind. By the way, I had to pack the, I had to park the furthest area away from the door because the parking lot is packed, you know. I have my quarter in my gloved hand, and I'm walking up there against the wind. I put my quarter in, it jams. <laughs> I can't believe it. I have to stand there and find another quarter, go to the other line of stacked <laughs> carts, put it in there, get my cart, go into Aldi's. Now, the only reason I went to Aldi's was because I needed three specific things that I knew I could get at Aldi's and that were a very good deal. They did not have one of those three things. Yeah. So I get through the line with the rest of my purchases. I am making my way back to the farthest end of the parking lot. And I, oh, in the confusion and drama of not being able to find my quarter and being whipped by the wind and being totally irritated, I forgot to bring in my Aldi bags from my trunk. So now I'm pushing my cart out to my trunk. It is horribly wicked cold. I get my trunk open. I'm opening up my Aldi bag, stuffing my groceries in there, hanging onto my cart because it wants to bang into my car or into the other person's car. I can't see. My mask is on. My hair is being whipped around my face. And I shout into the abyss of my trunk, this should not be this hard. <laughs> And immediately, my dear sheep, do you know what popped into my mind? I mean, the words were barely out of my mouth, and this is what came into my head. It was my shepherd saying, it shouldn't be this hard, Kathy. My yoke is easy. My burden is Ouch. Ouch. It is so easy to wander with the silliest, littlest frustrations, isn't it? Yeah. Isn't it? And there I was, and I just thought, my head's still buried in the trunk. I'm still packing up my groceries, and the conviction in my heart was just like a, well, Kathy, you are just making this hard because of your crummy attitude that the moment you realized you needed to go to all these, you started griping and complaining. Now, jot down 2 Corinthians 4, 6. I would encourage you to memorize these verses in 2 Corinthians 4. This is beautiful. And again, it begins, it's all about God. For God commanded 
the light to shine out of darkness and hath shined where? In our hearts. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness. And, and again, this is referencing in the beginning, God said. And what did he do this wonderful miracle in? And by the way, it's his word. It's his word, God said, let there be light. It is that very same word from God that says, child, let me put some light in your darkness. Let me, I have put light in your heart. I've called you children of light. You see, at salvation, when we receive Jesus as our Savior, God does this beautiful <laughs> miracle that not only saves my soul, but saves me every day that I live until he takes me home. Saves my sanity. Saves my peace. Saves my joy. Saves me from my fears. And you know how he does that? He puts this very same treasure that was light that chased away darkness in the beginning. He puts that treasure in our hearts, Betty. It's his spirit that indwells us. Now, it gets even better in this chapter. Please study this chapter and embrace it and know the truth that God wants you to know. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Now, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. This is an earthen vessel. And God places his treasure inside of us. His very light, his very spirit. Where does he put it, girls? In our hearts. He has put this treasure in earthen vessels. So his spirit he puts in me at salvation. You know why? I'm a sheep. Because I'm a sheep. That's why he puts his spirit in us, Jenny, because we're a sheep that needs to be directed. I'm a sheep that wanders. He puts his spirit in me to convict me because I'm a willful sheep. He puts his spirit in me to comfort me because I'm a hurting sheep. The shepherd gifts us with this treasure of his spirit to confront my wrong thinking because I'm a sheep. And as a sheep thinks, so a sheep becomes. I'm paraphrasing. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And God's gracious, patient spirit inside of me immediately convicted me of the fact, Kathy, your thinking has been wrong for the last half hour, for the last 45 minutes. It's no wonder this is so hard. Okay, we're going to come back to this, but I want to do a connecting truth right here. The Lord is my shepherd. Now, I want you to take the next two words. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall. Oh, no, no, no. Don't go any further. Don't turn that page. Don't look at the answer key. <laughs> I shall. We're just going to study I shall for a moment. The Lord is my shepherd. It begins. It's all about the Lord. Now, it shifts responsibility to you and me, his sheep. Now, it's I, me, you. The Lord is my shepherd, I. All right? There is personal responsibility with I, me. 
One author that I was reading says 90% of genuine Christianity, I'm not talking about salvation here, I'm talking about Christianity, I'm talking about authentic, God-loving, New Testament Christianity, a faith that is visible, a faith that is real, a faith that is life-changing. 90% of authentic Christianity lies within our will. Wow. That's the I in I shall. That's the personal accountability. So that's the I. So now understand that I have a responsibility in being his sheep. The Lord is my shepherd. Next week, we're going to totally get into, if the Lord tarries, we're going to get into um, why and how wonderful. But right now, just understand that the Lord is our shepherd, and then the responsibility goes to me, his sheep, I. And what's the next word? Shall. What does that mean, I shall? Well, let me define it for you. Shall defined is this, expressing an intention, expressing an instruction or command, used in indicating offers or suggestions. But the first definition of this verb is, ready? Expressing the future tense. Shall, as in, I shall do it. Now this wraps up my personal responsibility and also my intent. I shall follow my shepherd. I shall listen to God's doctrine. I shall listen to what my shepherd says about this. This determines if I walk with my shepherd this afternoon or if I wander. Yes, I have a responsibility to choose, but I don't want us to stay stuck there because our Christianity, dear girls, is not about rules. And until we fall in love with our shepherd, the falseness of religion leads me astray and leaves me empty. So yes, there is personal responsibility in being a sheep, Daddy. Yes, but it is personal privilege that comes with the word shall. I shall. I can make a choice. Do you know before salvation, I had no choice? Do you know before salvation, all I could do is choose from my sinful, selfish, sheep nature. I was enslaved to my willful self. It is only after salvation that I'm given a choice. Study Romans 8. I'm going to give you some verses right now. But in Romans 8, 2, for the law of the spirit of life, remember God's spirit that has been placed in your heart? That's the spirit of life. In Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Kathy, you now have a choice. That's why you have such a treasure. Before you had that treasure, you had no choice. You were determined by your self-will, as I was. And we know that the truth of the scripture, the wages of sin, is death. But the gift, the gift is that, is that treasure 
in salvation first and then coming to know the Lord is my shepherd every day. The choice, the choice that we have now. You don't have to be scared to death. Fear not, for I am with thee. You don't have to live today frustrated. Verse 6, to be carnally minded, in this is Romans 8, the whole chapter needs to be memorized, girls. It is such a victory chapter, but more than that, it proclaims how destroyed I would have been before Christ and how victorious I am because I am in Christ and because the Lord is my shepherd. Verse 6, to be carnally minded is death. The old way of thinking is going to destroy us, but to be spiritually minded is what, girls? Life and peace. And that life is referencing what Jesus spoke to his sheep, John 10.10. I am come that they might have life and have what? More abundant life. Was there a day last week when you weren't experiencing abundant life? I just told you about my, you know, a little piece of my Friday. Do you see how easily we step away from that abundant living? Let me show you the correction now. Here's the accountability question. Just look at yesterday. Were my moments filled with life and peace? This Jesus said, I've promised this to you. I've made it available. In that trite, insignificant Aldi's experience, as I'm fighting the wind and the cold and putting my groceries into my Aldi bags, and I voiced right out loud, this shouldn't be this hard. That immediate response from my heart was God's word saying, it shouldn't be this hard, Kathy. See, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Every morning, a part of my prayer life is accessing the shell that I've been given. I have a choice now to predetermine my actions. Father, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, those are my thoughts, be acceptable unto thee, O Lord. You're my strength. You're my redeemer. I shall, dear spirit of God, pinch me really hard, really hard, when my words or my thoughts are not in cooperation with your opinion, when, when, when I'm not walking with you because you are my shepherd, just pinch me. Well, with my head buried in the trunk, I got a good pinch. Kathy, Kathy, you've been doing nothing but griping and complaining in your spirit since you left home. And the more you gripe and complain, the more you'll find to gripe and complain about. See, that's what God saves us from. He says, if you will just acknowledge me, I'm going to change everything. So putting my last bag in the trunk and that deep conviction that came right away because I had prayed specifically every morning, Lord, convict me deeply when I begin to stray even with my thoughts. The Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you to do just that. But you've got to ask him to. And you've got to live sensitive to the Spirit of God that even your thoughts are on him. And it will beautifully transform your day. I don't promise you that. God promises you that. 
He has come that we might have life and life more abundantly. And when I am spiritually minded, that means my thoughts are on the Lord, my shepherd, I have life and I have peace. Well, with that, with that conviction on that, I ask the Holy Spirit, first of all, to forgive me. Dear Lord, please forgive me. I have been griping and complaining, and these thoughts certainly don't line up with your will. What's God's opinion when we're frustrated? I don't care if it's over a silly little thing like my Aldi's experience or if it's over something really serious and heartbreaking that has frustrated you, a boss, a family member, a, a, an ex-friend. It hurts. What, is, what does God say concerning it? Are you going to get God's opinion? He's your shepherd. And then am I going to choose it? I've got the shell. And so my shepherd says, in everything, give thanks. In everything, give thanks. This is my shepherd's will concerning me. So as soon as it hit my brain, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. I did what I asked him to do in me that morning, correct my thoughts. Lord, I'm so sorry. Listen to me. No, don't listen to me. <laughs> but I forsake this. Forgive me. I will give thanks. Thank you, Lord, I have a car to drive. Thank you, Lord, I have gas in the car. Thank you, Lord, I have a trunk to put these groceries in. Thank you, Lord, I found a quarter to get. Thank you, Lord, that I can buy groceries. Thank you, Lord, that I can drive home and have a cup of coffee with Clint. Thank you, Lord. And as soon as you begin living in obedience with your thoughts to the word of God over everything, it changes everything. So you know what I did? I couldn't, still couldn't see because I still had my mask on and the wind was whipping the hair around my face and I'm, you know, shutting my trunk and I'm protecting my car from my cart and I'm running the cart up, because remember, I'm at the furthest edge of the Aldi's parking lot, running my cart up to the cart station, and this is what I did. I deliberately, on purpose, left my quarter in my cart. <laughs> so when the next harried, elderly, forgetful lady <laughs> comes to get her cart, she's going to smile because her cart is free. It just changes everything. And girls, to begin applying that in the moments of frustration with babies and children and accidents that happen when the toddler writes on the wall and when, you know, the scissors get things cut that aren't supposed to be cut. All, all of those things that happen, the, the frustration, they are simply our opportunity to show that I have light inside of me. And I want to convince you and persuade you now, we're going to talk about when you use crayons and what you use crayons on and the scissors and all the other things. But it's not done in anger, and it's not done in frustration. It's done, I'm speaking the truth in love. And sometimes that means, dear sheep, we need to just walk away in the other room and take a deep breath and just separate until we can respond in love. And this, I did something awful this week. No, I'm not going to tell that part. <laughs> okay, but Trina, 
Katrina reminded me. Now, those of you who have reared children, you understand this totally, but I had three little ones two years and under, you know, so there were days that were crazy. And the girls were going into convulsions, and Clint had special needs, and I like, it was just like, why <sighs> this awful thing they did to Trina this week, <laughs> which still just cracks me up. She says, yeah, yeah, you're like, like I need mental therapy because of my mother. <laughs> you know, she said, you, <laughs> what's that? Yeah, I will. I'm telling you what. I'm telling you the one part. I'm not telling you the other part. So, so she said, do you know what my mother used to do to me? She said, when I was like, like three years old or four years old, mom would just drop to the floor. And my sister and I would come up and we'd say, mommy, are you okay? And her eyes would be closed and she would just lay there. Mommy, are you okay? And she was just real quiet, and she wouldn't move. And pretty soon, Clint would come scooching out, you know, because he didn't crawl. He scooched before he could crawl. And he'd look at me. And it was just, Mommy had to take a break. <laughs> <laughs> you all know what I'm saying. You get it. And girls, God gives us that wonderful shell in our lives so that we don't destroy the testimony of Christ in our life. The most important thing in our day is to show Christ. No matter what stage you are in. And he gives you the power to do it. There hath no temptation taken you. Temptation comes when you're frustrated. Temptation comes when you're mad. Temptation comes when you're hurt and you're angry. The temptation is not the sin. Responding to it with my own doctrine... It's going to carry me away. It's going to put me in a nosedive. But when I can learn Christ and he promises me I can, then he does what only he can do. Got one more part we got to get to. Shining in our darkness. Dear sheep, our Lord is our shepherd, and because he is, I shall. We desperately need a shepherd. Here's another reference just in the last few minutes that we have. Isaiah 53, 6. We have turned everyone to his own way. And because we have, do you know what God did? He laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. Perfect, beautiful, sinless Son of God. I was talking to this uh, point with somebody. He said, nothing hurts us like our children being hurt. Can you imagine God's love? Even as you and I would take the place of, you know, I thought of your Lyndon, Donna. Oh, we so ache when our children hurt. When they have to go through something, we would take it for them in a heartbeat. God gave us his son. I can't imagine that kind of sacrifice. His holy, perfect son. And you know why? He put on him the iniquities of us all. Because God is not willing that any should perish. He continually seeks for his wandering sheep in salvation. And then he continually seeks us 
after salvation. See, he's not just my Savior. He's my shepherd. Say it with me again. The Lord is my shepherd. Isaiah 119, 176 says, I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek thy servant. And Jesus responds in Matthew 18, 12. How think ye if a man have an hundred sheep and one of them be gone astray, doth he not leave the ninety-nine and goeth into the mountains and seeketh that which is gone astray? Verse 14. Even so, it is not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. I'm going to go back to quoting Keller, and it's something that I found in one of his books. He says, I stoop down and pick up a handful of soil from the backyard. Placing it under an electron microscope, I am astounded to discover it teems with billions upon billions of microorganisms, many of them so complex in their own peculiar cellular structure that even a fraction of their functions in the earth are not yet properly understood. Yes, our shepherd brought all of this into being from the most gigantic galaxy to the minute microbe all function flawlessly and in accordance with the definite laws of order and unity which are utterly beyond the mind of finite man to master. End of quote. And this Lord is our shepherd. With the same hands that flung out the galaxies and put them in sparkle fashion, he fashions you and me. This is Psalm 1, 1973. Thy hands have made me and fashioned me. The Lord is my shepherd. I pray that these two simple truths that we've dwelt on for just these few moments will challenge your heart, will elevate your spirit, will encourage your thinking, to walk with your shepherd every moment. We are made for his glory. We are lights in a dark world. Let everything that he has done, with, with when I was reading Keller's book, he was talking about the galaxies and stuff, and I love talking to Daniel. Daniel teaches science, and he tells me all these really cool facts about the heavens declare the glory of God. The heavens declare it. We see it every day, which makes me ask, Kathy, what are you declaring? What are you declaring? As, as a sheep, as a, as a born-again, safe in the fold, taken care of lamb of God, what are you declaring? Declare the glory of God. I went into Meyer and I bought a $5 pot of daffodils for Trina's desk. And, and it's your favorite flower? That's so cool. Yellow is my favorite color. That's probably why it's one of my favorites. And at the checkout... I picked this pot up, and I said, this is the promise of spring to the cashier lady, you know, behind her mask, eye behind mine. This is the promise of spring. Aren't they beautiful? Mm-hmm. And I said, but you know what's even more profound? This is the proof of God. I said, just a, just a few... Just a few weeks ago, this was just dirt. Life from dirt. Did she get it? I don't know. That's God's responsibility. My responsibility is to give God glory with everything, in everything. And when I do, he is well pleased. 
dear sheep, dear ladies, dear my friends, my sisters, don't let this culture cancel you. Speak up. You've got the light inside of you. You've got the treasure. God says, will you share it today? Will you, sh will you share it at home? Will you persuade your children, your grandchildren? Will you take things and acknowledge him all day long? I have a friend who writes down scriptures and how it has, and I get it in the mail, and it's just, it just blesses my day. She, she sent me this illustration. Ready? Um, he writes, and she sent this to me. When my middle granddaughter was a toddler, it seemed as though she spoke a language we'd never heard before. During FaceTime, Lila would grab the phone and jab her away. Occasionally, we would she would throw in a real word, and those few words, along with her facial expressions, allowed us to understand her meaning most of the time. But one day, when she was only two and a half, she came through loud and clear. I had walked into the room to find her nibbling on her Easter bunny. As I pulled it away and wrapped it up, I reminded her that Mom had told her not to eat any more candy that afternoon. She spoke four clear words. Don't touch my chocolate. <laughs> he goes on to say, often a few carefully chosen words can convey the clearest message. The word of God is so powerful that even the shortest phrase can hold a world of meaning. When I am lonely, I remember Jesus' promise, I am with you always. Then when I'm worried, I hear him saying, let not your heart be troubled. When I'm facing a tough or confusing decision, I can pray, not my will, but yours. When I'm becoming complacent about spiritual matters, I need his reminder, abide in me. I'm grateful for his word that comes just at the right time. Hebrews says that Jesus holds everything together through his powerful word. Each day, his words are enough to hold me together. Girls, you've got to get into his word. And you've got to use the shell. Father, I shall. I shall choose your word. I'll get into it. I'll study it. I've got to know your will. Pastor did a, a Bible study on Psalm 119. It was um, his word reveals his will, which directs me in his way. I cannot walk with my shepherd if I don't know his word. And just a fast accountability question. If you have not been in his word, and I say first thing in the morning, you can't do your day without your shepherd. You can't. You're going to end up with all these in a windstorm. <laughs>